Everybody feeling good this morning? Do you love Jesus this year? Do you love him more than last year? So good to be here with each one of you. I missed you last week. If you didn't know, we didn't have service last weekend. We take the last Sunday off and we don't have a service and uh, we miss y'all. We miss being with you, but we are glad to be here this morning and had a phenomenal first service. Excited about the second service here as we get going in our new year. Uh, if you are visiting with us, my name is Dave DeFrancesca, and I'd love to shake your hand and meet you in the lobby. If I didn't catch you coming in, I'd love to get you as you exit this morning. If you are visiting with us, do us a favor and fill this Connect card out if you've never done so. It's on your seat. Just take a second and fill it out at some point in the service, and you can leave it. Hand it to somebody, hand it to me, or leave it at our Next Steps table on your way out. And we'd love to just have a record of your attendance and connect with you this week. We'll just send you an email and let you know it was great to have you here and then answer any questions you might have as well. We have a lot going on. Our small groups are getting ready to launch. Come on, do we love small groups here? We love our small groups at the Avenue. They will launch February the 1st, and we'll be excited as they take off into this next semester, our spring semester. So if you would like to be a small group leader, lead a small group and um, help uh, facilitate that and host a small group. See my wife, see Pastor Tara, let her know, and she'd love to get you the information. We will train you and equip you, and God will use you, and it'll be a phenomenal year for you. We'd love to see, uh, we love everybody to participate in small groups, and we'd love to have great small groups for people to be able to engage in. So if you want to host one, let us know, and we'll get you uh, into that. Also, water baptism is next Sunday. If you've never been baptized in water, uh, following a commitment to Christ, we encourage you to do so. If you say, well, I was baptized as a baby, I believe that you should have the choice to do so yourself at some point in life, and you should make that choice. It should be an individual, a personal choice that you make to say, I want to do that. Why do you baptize in water, Pastor? Because Jesus ba was baptized. He came out and saw John the baptizer, John the Baptist baptizing, and he said, I must be baptized. And John kind of resisted and pushed back and said, no, 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 but I do. He said, no, you need to baptize me. If the role model Jesus needed to be baptized, so do we. So we have water baptism next Sunday at both services. If you would like to do so, uh, it may be your next step. Maybe your step is to do that. You've never done it. Let us know, and we'd love to give you that opportunity to be more like Jesus. Also, Growth Track is happening next Sunday evening at 6 p.m., and I'll tell you more about that in a bit. The news you've probably been waiting for all morning to hear is we do begin next Sunday with 14 days of prayer and fasting. Woo! About to get real at the avenue. We kick off the new year every year with prayer and fasting, and we invite you to join with us as we do so. What is prayer? Well, let's take time. We have communion with God. We have extra conversations outside of the normal, but it's also time to fast, and fasting is the part that we don't know as much about. But it's a practice that we have where we say, basically, I'm saying no to something of my flesh so I can say yes to more of God in his spirit. And so it may be that you're saying no to something that you would normally eat, maybe a meat or a sweet, cutting sugars out, cutting carbs out, maybe you're cutting dairy out, maybe you're cutting meals out, maybe you're doing intermittent fasting, maybe you're doing a whole fast, maybe you're doing a liquid fast, maybe you're doing a daytime fast. There's a lot of fast. Maybe you're doing social media fast. Maybe you want to fast social media for the whole year. <laughs> There's a lot of different fasts. We just want the church to corporately be a part of it together. So join in. So we have a week to pray about it, talk to God. What would you have me to do in this fasting season, these 14 days? And when you're in that moment and you're fasting and you get hungry or your body begins to crave, it's a reminder, wait a minute, why am I doing this? Why am I not having ice cream right now? I want ice cream. And then you tell, you, you tell yourself, I'm not having ice cream because I want more of God. Well, how do you have more of God just because you're saying no to ice cream? It's weird the way it happens, but it does. Because suddenly your spirit, which you are more spirit than you are body, realizes, hold on, the body is not in charge. The flesh doesn't run the show anymore. The spirit of God inside of me does. So now I say yes to God's spirit, and I can say no to ice cream. I'll say yes again one day, but right now, it's not in charge. And it helps put things in their proper place and order and conduct. So as we're excited for a brand new new year in 2024, fasting is a great way to set the course for the new year to say, God, 
do what you want in my life. Because I believe many of us want God to do something in our lives. We all walked into the new year thinking, what's going to be new this year? What's going to be new this year? What's so new about this year? What's going to be new for me? What's going to be new in my life, in my family? What's so new about this year? But let me give you a little thought. Because you know it, but you probably don't want to hear it. If you aren't willing to make the change, nothing will change. So the same you that came out of last year, the only change will be that the calendar is different and the date has moved. But the same you will come into this year. But if you are willing to make the changes God is talking to you about doing and making and moving into, you will begin to see, we will see him doing things in our lives we've only dreamt about, prayed about, and been believing for. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Acts. I'm going to read one verse out of there, the book of Acts. We're going to kick off a brand new series this morning called One Small Step. And today I'm going to give you, if you're here for the first time, you've been coming for a while, it's a great day to be here because I'm going to give you what the avenue looks like in the big picture. I'm going to cast vision for you. If you're like, what is this church all about? Today is a good day to be here because you're about to find out what we're all about here at the avenue. Verse verse 28, chapter 17, the book of Acts, for in him, in Christ, we live and we move. We live and we move. Say it with me. We live and we move and we have our being. In him, in Christ, I live, I move, I'm alive, I exist This is who I am now. Let's pray. God, we thank you this morning for what you're doing in our lives and our hearts. God, I pray that you would be more, we would be more aware of your presence than we ever have been before. Open our ears to hear from you and our eyes to see you and our hearts to experience you in ways we've never felt you, known you, or seen you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, how about them Texans? Cowboys, Ravens, there, I, come on, I felt the Holy Ghost. So. It's funny in life sometimes when we get to a place where we want to, um, when we have a child, yeah, like, hey, I got a little baby, I was terrible at this, I, 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 parts of parenting I just didn't get right. Like teaching your kid to walk. I was like, you know, holding them up and trying to get them to walk, and they step and boom, fall over. Tara's like, that's too soon. Too soon. I'm like, ah, we're raising Olympic athletes here. They've got to walk. <laughs> too soon. So finally, when they start to walk and they start to wobble and they start to go, I've got a video. I wish I had shown you this video. It's pathetic. It's Dax at about a year old, and he's he's got this beanie on and you know when they're like this big, everything is tight, and they're so cute and cuddly, and he's up, and he's starting to just wobble and walk. And in the video, I'm like, okay, you're walking, you're walking, you're, now run, run, and he's, <laughs> run, 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 and he just starts, <laughs> bam, and I was like, get up, walk, walk, run, run, bam, I'm like, come on, son, we're in training right now. Come on, dads, where we at? <laughs> it's like I've got to get my kid to understand standing still in life is not an option. Sitting in the crib is not an option. Staying at the table being fed is not an option. Not moving is not an option. We are designed to move forward. And I, as your parent, got to teach you how to do so. It's my responsibility. It's my calling. It's what I'm supposed to do as a dad. Help you learn to walk. And as your pastor, I feel the same way. That it is my calling and responsibility to not allow you to stand still, to not just sit there, to not just come in and consume or just kick the tires or just bounce from church to church or just be, where's the cool spot? Where's the cool vibe? But be in a place where you are being challenged, that God wants to do so much in your life that you must You must, you feel compelled. I've got to respond, and I can take one small step. How do you get to the top of the mountain? One 
step at a time. We got Legos for Christmas. Anybody? Whew. I think annually I get a Lego project. I like them, building them, put them up in my office. And as I get these projects, they come in the little baggies. And you see the picture, and you get that one little piece, and you're like, boom, stick them together, stick them together. And over the course of time, sometimes me, the whole year, I finally had the project complete. What if your life, this time next year, you just started putting the Legos pieces together? The small little single pieces, the little doubles, the long strips, the big blocks, the ones you step on in the middle of the night and you lose your salvation, all of them. <laughs> what if you, over the course of the year, began to make a move and went, I got baptized in water. I fasted. I'd never done that before. I went to growth track. Never done that. I began serving. I started giving. I really felt my life come alive. This is the life I want you to live. This is the life God wants you to live. This is the life that in him we live and we move and we find out what living is really like. You go back to the Old Testament. All the way back. Way back. Way, 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 way back. Moses. Way back. Ten Commandments. Prince of Egypt. Moses. God's people are caught in slavery. 400 plus years serving the Egyptians. And as they're in this place, they're crying out, God, deliver us. God, deliver us. God, send us a deliverer. God responds. Some say finally. God responds, and when he does, he sends them Moses. Moses shows up, goes to Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh says there's no way. They go back and forth. God uh, goes on to send 10 different plagues in order that Pharaoh will eventually let his people go. And the 10th plague comes. God says to Moses, listen, go to the homes of all the Israelites Take a lamb and kill it. Take the blood and put it on both doorposts and across the top. Put the blood on all three sides of the door. And when the angel of death comes for the tenth plague, if the angel sees the blood, it will pass over your house and not take the firstborn. So they do that. And when they do, they realize God has had mercy on them. The angel passes over. And they remember this moment. He gives them instructions, and he says, now celebrate this annually. This is to be a solemn feast and call it Passover. Jews today still celebrate Passover. In Jesus' day, they still celebrated Passover. It's actually a moment that is very important in Judaism. It's a moment that their deliverance from Egypt came, and God moved them out for what they'd been crying out for 400-plus years, this moment. We read the story in the beginning of Exodus, and I want to focus in on a couple verses in Exodus chapter 6. Because in this story, God made Moses and the people of Israel four promises. Four promises that I want to focus on this morning that I want you to help see. These four promises we still rely on here at the Avenue that when we ask you to join, when we offer you, when we show you, when we tell you about what we're doing, it helps you understand that we are relying on these four things even now today because God is a God who keeps his word. The first thing God said in Exodus 6, 6 and 7, he said, therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I, here's the first one, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. It's four I wills. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. And as a response to God doing those four things he said he would do, there is one thing that we will do, and then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Scholars and theologians all believe that Exodus 14, 12 through 14, is the greatest type and shadow, if you will, symbolic of what Christ would do about several thousand years later, about 1,500 years later, that when he would be, go through the cross in the ground buried and come back alive at resurrection, what the people of Egypt did, walking out, what the people of Israel did leaving Egypt was a type of that happening. It was a shadow cast into the future for God saying, I will eventually one day again have a lamb shed his blood 
and there will be a celebration because then I will pass over your sins and I will actually give you true freedom. And so now we see this happening again in the scriptures. That first cup, did you know that Passover, and when they celebrate it today and always, there were four cups. There's a Passover Seder, the official name, and there were four cups that they took. The first cup was the cup of sanctification. He said, I will bring you out from under the Egyptians. So they celebrate the cup of sanctification. They drink a glass of wine, and they will remember, this is when you brought us out of Egypt. This is when you set us apart for a purpose. This is when you rescued us and you got us to safety. The second cup was a cup of deliverance because God said, I will free you. Well, what's the difference? Because I thought when I got saved, I got freed. Your heart came alive at salvation, but how many know your mind can sometimes still be bound? Because that's why you have believers who still have addictions and habits and hang-ups. And so there's a difference in your spirit being saved and your soul being transformed over the course of time. And so as you are in this place, God said, I'll bring you out, but now I'm going to free you. The second cup, they would drink the cup of deliverance because now God is delivering his people from their past. The best way to say it is God had already taken the people out of Egypt, step one. Cup two, step two, now he's got to take the Egypt out of the people. Because he would look at them and say, hey, 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 what are you complaining about? Well, we don't have anything to eat. And they would strike a rock and water would come out and they would complain. But back in Egypt, we had garlics and leeks and fish. We had all kinds of good food. And yes, they did beat our backs. And yes, they did persecute us. But we had food to eat. See, they were in a place physically being free, but mentally they were still bound, and they thought they didn't quite remember how bad things were. I believe there's oftentimes believers, and this is the problem, is we, we, we come to church, we experience Jesus, say a prayer, we put faith in God, but if we don't take that next step, oftentimes we get stuck where we're like, I want to start living for God but we have these mindsets that aren't free. We're hurt. We have hang-ups. We have addictions. We've had thoughts, ways, and we don't take time to break them down and allow the Holy Spirit to remove those things piece by piece out of our lives so that now we can step into a place and go, not only am I saved, but now I'm free and I can drink the third cup, the cup of redemption, restoration. God said, I will redeem you. With an outstretched arm, mighty acts, I will redeem you. A man named Peter Wagner did a study, and he asked church people, church people, he said, why are you here? 87% of church people answered, I do not know. I do not know why I'm on this earth. Church people, that is a problem. That is not good. If 87% of our church doesn't know why they exist, it's a problem. If 80% of my body doesn't work, I'm paralyzed, and I'm not moving and going anywhere. We have to understand that in order to get ourselves to a place of understanding what God wants to do with our lives, we've got to know why we're even here to start with. He says, I will redeem you. I will bring you out. I will free you, and then I will restore to you the purpose for what you were created. Because the enemy came in and said, I, I can see what God would do with you if he got a hold of you, so I'm going to destroy the very thing in your life that he wants to use. And there's been a fight and a conflict over that ever since. And God's saying, but I want to redeem it. I want to buy it back. I want it to be used still in your life. You need to know what that thing is. Number four, the fourth cup is the cup of praise. He said, I will take you as my own. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. The word praise in Hebrew is halal. It's where we get our word hallelujah. Halal means fulfillment. I'm so fulfilled, hallelujah. It was a cup of praise. They would remember that God had brought them out, redeemed them, set them free, and now we can live our lives fulfilled, and there will be a praise, a celebration that would go up. So how does this apply to us? How does this function into us in 2000, 
24. The avenue, you won't be here very long before you hear us say this. We exist to move people from where they are to where God wants them to be. That's the vision. That's what we do. That's why we do everything you see, everything you hear, everything you feel. We exist to move your kids, to move your students, to move your lives where you are to the place God wants you to be. But we have to have a mission of how to do that. We can't just have a great idea. I got a great idea. I want a million bucks. But I don't have a plan to get there. Guess what I'm not going to get? So we have a great idea, a vision from God. But you better have a mission how you're going to get the vision fulfilled. And we do. And the mission is simply this. We want people to know God. Sunday mornings is designed so you can step into a space where you can experience God maybe like never before. We want you to know God, and so what do we do? We lean all of our efforts and our leverage into a Sunday morning weekend service experience. Why? Because recent surveys show 90% of people that come to Christ do so on a Sunday morning. Nine out of ten. If you're in sales, you're having good Sunday morning services. You're focused on that. If 9 out of 10 people come to Christ from Sunday morning, then we are focusing our Sunday morning. We are zeroing in with a plan to go, we want you to, in this moment, be able to go, I want to know more about God. See, a lot of people know God, know of God, know things about God. But how many people really know him? We're not satisfied with you knowing about him or knowing that we know him. I want you to know him for yourself. And I want you to have a relationship with him that Jesus came to reestablish so that you would have divine connection to God and you can have a conversation for yourself. But you've got to get to this place. You've got to take this first step. And maybe you have, maybe you haven't at every service. In just a few minutes, I will give you an opportunity to take this first step so that you can come into a place where you say, I know God. This is the cup of sanctification to move people into Knowing God. Why? Because heaven and hell are real. Let God save you. Let him redeem you. I love what Paul said. Paul said this in Acts 15. The apostle Paul. There were 11 disciples because Judas fell off. Paul said, I was a disciple that, bonus disciple. But Paul was sent to the Gentiles. The other 11 disciples focused on Israel. Paul said, my purpose is for those not of Jewish descent. And this is what he said. He said, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. What? Paul said, why are we making it so complicated and so hard for people to know God? He said, it is my conviction, it is my judgment, more than my opinion, that we should not make it hard for somebody far from God to go, tell me more about him. I want to know him for myself. He said, it should be simple. Listen, we don't make the rules. We just let you know what they are. The scripture says, if you want to be saved, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, and you shall be saved. What do you believe? What do you confess? That God has raised Jesus from the dead, and he is Lord. But we at churches have somehow made this really complicated over the years. You have to act right. You got to dress right. How many of y'all know you went to a church where you better dress right? And if you didn't dress right, you must not be living right. Complicated. And you got to, all these hoops you got to jump through. All these ladders you got to climb. And if you don't look out, there's going to be a slide. You're going to shoot back down. You're like climbing back up and working through this whole thing. And Paul said, it is my conviction. It shouldn't be that hard for people to know God. So we focus our weekend services so that people go, hold up a second. I've never been to a church like this. We are highly intentional about two things because there's two felt emotions when you leave a moment. A movie, a date, church, you have two felt emotions. One, is it over yet? You know, you're on that date. How much time? When are they calling to bail me out? When, am I, when, when can I get out of here? 
This movie is taking forever. My friend said it was good. Man, this church. They said they love God. These people are angry, mad over here singing about joy, 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 joy down in my heart. You ain't got no joy. And if you do, it's hitting deep. Church, lying to themselves. It, the felt emotion. Is this thing over yet? When's this guy going to stop talking to us? The second felt emotion is it's over already. What? Man, this is fun. God forbid ever say church was fun. Obviously, we're going for the second. Obviously, we want people to go, wait a minute. I enjoyed that. See, when you come to church, you either endure it or you enjoy it. And it's up to us to figure out how do we present you in a place. Because if you enjoy it, you'll come back for more. And we want to leave you wanting more. I want to know more about that God you're talking about. Man, I like that song. What was that thing called? Wow, what are you guys doing with the kids back there? They come back different, talking different. What are you guys doing? We are try trying to get you to a place that you enjoy the presence of God. Why? Because two things happen. One, when we're in the presence of God, we celebrate. We smile big. We hug big. We laugh big. And two, there are powerful moments that happen in God's presence. We celebrate big, celebrate big and we have powerful moments. Because in these, David said, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to church. It's in the Bible. He didn't go, ah, Sunday morning, I guess we got to go. He said, yes, tomorrow's Sunday. I was sitting over here in my chair, and I gave Ryland a high five and a hug. He said, man, I missed you last Sunday. I said, you did? He said, yeah, I forgot we didn't have church. And I was like, we got to go to church. Courtney said, no, they don't have church tomorrow. He said, oh, what am I going to do? I missed you too. That's what we're going for. It's kind of like a teaser. Like, we'll give you a week off. See what that's like. <laughs> that's stupid. Don't laugh at that. <laughs> Church should be a celebration that Christians and unchurched people love to attend. Sunday mornings, unchurched people and church people, unbelievers and believers love to attend and be in God's presence. And it should be powerful. It should be so powerful. Romans 11 says, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because his spirit lives in you. I want you to know there is a moment you can encounter God that he is real, he is present, and he is alive. He was alive. He was dead. He's alive again. He called a shot and said, they're going to take me out. I give my life. They're not going to do it because I didn't let them. I'm letting them do it for your sake. And because I am, I'm going to be dead for three days. But watch me get back up out of that grave. And when I do, that same power that pulled me out of the grave can now be in your bodies. And you can come alive with power. And you can see your life doing things you never dreamed of. There is a powerful moment when you step in God's presence. And that's why we celebrate big. Because we know what we're capable of in Christ, in him. We live and we move and we have this being. That is just part of the Great Commission. Step two, the cup of deliverance, is we want you to find freedom. We want you to know God, but then we want you to find freedom. I want you to settle the scores from yesterday in Christ. Not by looking back and calling somebody and be like, hey, you owe me. I want you to settle them in your mind so they don't haunt you in your future. We all have yesterdays. We all have past. We all have histories. We all have things that still hurt us. But you need to be healed from your yesterday so you can have hope for tomorrow. One of the biggest reasons people can't hope for 2024 is because they're not healed from 2023 and earlier sooner. And maybe years, decades, their lifetime, they've been carrying pains and traumas and wounds that they have not healed from. And every calendar year changes. Every relationship changes. Every new thing comes. And it goes out just as fast because they can't have hope for that because they're still hurting from before. 
And my friend, I want you to find freedom this year. It may be that you need to take a step of movement to find freedom this year. We offer how we help you. How we help you find that freedom is we offer small groups. Small groups is our community that we meet. It's when we break down what happens here, a couple of services on Sunday morning that we celebrate bringing a big and a powerful, and we take those and we break them down into groups, three, four, five, six people may attend, eight, nine, ten people, it doesn't matter. They're just much smaller breakdowns, and they get together, and we gather around, and we begin to find healing. James, half-brother of Jesus, said this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Forgiveness for our sins comes from our Father in heaven, God. Healing from our sins comes from each other. God has created us so that we must have relationship in order that we can be as healthy and whole as possible. So we have to have a place that you can step into and begin to receive that healing and talk to somebody and go, man, I, I got this hang up. And there's no shame and there's no judgment. I got this thing holding me back. And I want to move forward. I want to take that step. I'm afraid to get down in that water. I get down in that water, my hair is going to get messed up. Ain't nobody ever seen me with my hair messed up. I got over that. I got over that. Maybe you're just like, I don't want to get down in that water because when I do, I, I mean, I, I'm, I don't even like swimming in public. Listen, I get it. There's some things that are not comfortable. But I'm telling you, I am all in on doing things that are making you uncomfortable sometimes. Because I know the benefit, and I know what he's told us to do. And so it's not, more, it's not about comfort, it's about calling. And if I can get you to step into something and trust me and believe, that's what I need to do. Man, when you come up out of that water, we're going to make a lot of noise. We're going to be excited because you made a step, and you took a move, and you followed God, and you trusted him and his word. You got in that small group. You, a, you made a friend. You, you got your arms wrapped around somebody and said, hey, get to know you a little bit. I want to get to know me. I just got to get free from that stuff. Our freedom group is what every single one needs to go through. We have a freedom small group. The name says it all. And I would encourage every person in our church, our leadership from the top down goes through it. I checked on them yesterday. Who has, who hasn't, you need to sign up. I am all in on freedom. If you've been to Freedom Group, raise your hand. Ask any person in the room with their hand up, get their opinion on the Freedom Small Group. It's the best small group we do. And I had my own. It's better than the ones I had. It just is. It's just, it does so much for us to help us facilitate what we're called to do to help people be healed from yesterday, have hope for tomorrow because ministry happens in groups. Number three, the cup of redemption is to discover your purpose, to redeem your, your past, to get your purpose restored, to get you actively pursuing your God-given purpose, to get you positioned and in a place where you now go, I know why I exist. Because I refuse to have a church of 87% of the people don't know why they're on earth. If you do and choose to walk in that ignorance, I don't want to be to blame for it. Growth Track is a place you can on-ramp into the avenue. It's a place that you can discover who we are, ask some questions, find out about the stuff we're talking about here. It happens the first Sunday night of every month. We're looking for a way to facilitate it and move it into Sunday mornings. We might have a plan in place. But right now it happens on the first Sunday night of every month. And when we do, you'll learn this. You'll also learn more about yourself. You'll learn who you are, why you're wired the way you are, why you think the way you do, why your personality is your personality. Because your mama said, why can't you be more like your brother? And somebody else said, you're more like you keep reminding me of them, and you've been confused and trying to act like somebody else, you need to be you. But you need to be confident that God made you, you. I have a personality. Tara has a personality. We are 
opposites. And the saying is true, opposites attract. When we approach conversations, we do it very cautiously. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Like walking through a minefield. Can I say that? Should I think that's what she's saying? But God is consistently trying to work on us because he gave us our personality. So we'll give you a personality test. Maybe you've taken one before. Awesome. Maybe you've never taken one. No problem. Because you should know why you think the way you do. You respond the way you do. And God created you that way. And when you do, then it becomes a tool so that you can now understand your purpose. You also will take a test that shows you what your spiritual gifts are. Hold up, pastor. I don't have any spiritual gifts. Hold up. Yes, you do. When you were born, God invested into you spiritual gifts. Yeah, but I didn't even know who God was. I didn't ask for him. I didn't see him on the registry when my mom registered me and got some gifts. No, no. He put them inside of you, and they're laying there waiting for you to discover them, so now you can use them to serve somebody else. But, Pastor, I thought I was just the person that people just said, oh, they, we just like to confide in you. You're so easy to talk to. You're just a good listener. But you don't realize you have the gift of mercy, and you see things about people that other people don't see. And everybody walks by and ignores somebody, and you go, something's not right with them. Let me just check on them. You thought that was you. You thought everybody does that. You didn't realize God gave you a spiritual gift called mercy, and he wants to use that to help serve people around the world. See, these things are inside of you, and if you don't use them, if you don't know about them, you can't use them. So you've got to discover what is in me, and what does God want to get out of me into the world. It is your responsibility to do the work of discovering who you are. Romans 12, 6 says we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Your gift's different than my gift and mine than yours. Number four, the gift, the cup of praise. The cup of praise is to make a difference with your life. It's the moment when you begin to see a significant change. You are making a difference with the things you do. I'm leveraging my gifts, my resources, my talents to build God, God's kingdom. I'm going to continue the work Jesus began. This is the Great Commission. This is what he was doing. It's in all four Gospels. It's in the book of Acts. It's to get me to move one step at a time. Listen to me. When you take that step and go to small group, that's great. Then I'm going to ask you to lead a small group. Then I might ask you to be over all the small groups. There's always a step for everybody. The cat's out the bag. Now you all know the plan. Guess what? There's a move for me. I met with our staff yesterday, this weekend. I said, there's a move for every one of you to take. Each one of us, even myself and Tara, there's always another move. Because in him, in Christ, we live and we move. And we don't stop moving. I'm going to move up off this ground into heaven. The cup of praise. God has hardwired every one of you to make a difference with your life. This is where we do it on our dream team. We give you the opportunity to serve others. To step into a space and realize going to church on the weekend is not any longer to feed me, but so that I might feed you. For too long, the church relied on a mentality that, Pastor, what are you feeding me? What are you feeding my kids? Y'all better make it good. You gonna sing that good song again? Just getting fed, just getting fed, just getting fed, just gluttony. But we're building a church where people are going, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? God, use me. Pick me, God. Pick me. Pick me. And listen to me. We are not asking you to do anything we don't model ourselves. From our leadership, top to bottom. I have scrubbed floors. I have cleaned toilets. I have done lots of things around here. If I ask you to do it, one person in leadership somewhere has already done it. We don't need the toilet scrub. Y'all can chill out. 
came in here one Sunday. We hadn't been meeting here for long. And Pastor Brandon was making his way back around there, changed his shirt, did a couple things. He came back in and said, what are you doing? You were a mess. He's kind of making fun of him a little bit. He said, uh, can I tell this? And now, now I ask. He said, uh, the urinals were really dirty. They needed to be scrubbed. Because he gets it. Because you might walk in here wanting to know God, and you can't get past the bathrooms. You're like, find me another church. Because he knows we'll do anything to make it easy for somebody to know God. We're not asking you to do anything we're not doing, but we're telling you you can do anything God leads you to do. We want to empower people to rise up with their gifts. I didn't ask permission for this story either, so I won't use the name. A lady I met with recently, she said, Pastor, I have some spiritual gifts I want to use. I said, great. What are they? She said, I want to go to the hospital and visit people. Is that okay? Yeah. I love the maturity of somebody that they've already discovered what God has put inside of them to do, and they just want to be released to go do it. Not everybody likes hospital visits. Not everybody can handle hospitals gifted for it, you don't think twice about it. So we have a dream team, a place that you can serve. My kids serve. Why? Because I'm raising my children to understand we don't come to church to be served, but to serve. Because my Jesus, my role model, said in Mark 10, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life. That's what my Jesus said. That's my mantra too. I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve and to give my life. God, how do you want to use me? What does success look like for us here at the Avenue? It looks like this. It looks like movement. Movement is the word we're going to use all of 2024. It's the word for the year. It's the word God has given me to say it is time for you to move one step at a time. Take that step. There'll be another one later. There'll be a next step. But what's your one step today that you need to take to start building those Legos, to start putting that puzzle together, to start climbing that mountain? Success for us looks like this. Lost people saved. Saved people pastored. Pastored people trained and trained people mobilized. So what does all this have to do with Passover? Let me tie all this together. Because Jesus, when he celebrated Passover with his disciples, the night he was betrayed, the day before he was crucified, he, in the, he instituted communion. In your seats you'll see a communion cup. Most of you know what it is. If you don't know what it is, let me quickly tell you. When he instituted communion, he gave some instructions. Along with those instructions were that Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians that this is only for believers. Now our goal is to never isolate you or make you feel unwelcome. Everybody here is welcome. But the scripture does say that this is something that is only for believers. However, before we receive communion, I'm going to give you the opportunity to take that first step and to know God and to step into a space and say, God, I want you to come into my life and forgive me of my sins. Make me new. I put my faith in you. And when you take that step, for each one of us that have or do, communion is something we celebrate. 
Because when Jesus instituted it on that night he was betrayed, he taught us a couple things. He said this, while they were eating, Matthew 26, Jesus took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, take it, eat, don't eat it yet. Take it, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it now, all of you. Now remember, this is Passover. There were four cups. So he takes a cup. He drinks from it. He says, this is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. I'm doing this so you can be a child of God, free from the bondage of sin, redeemed back to your original intent, to live your life fulfilled. He said, I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of the vine from now until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When he picked up this cup to institute communion, it was the third cup in the Passover. The cup that he passed on and said, I will not drink this cup was cup number four. He said, I will not drink the cup of praise until we're all together in heaven all God's children back together and we have one big celebration of the victory celebrating who God is and the victory of Jesus Christ. He said until that day, he said I won't touch it again. And think about it. They offered him wine on the cross. He said no. Why? Because he's waiting to drink cup number four until we're all together and we praise him one time because we are fulfilling the work that he did when he gave his life and came back to life. He said it is finished. He came back to life, went back to heaven, and he's sitting on standby waiting for that day when we all drink cup number four together. What a beautiful Savior. But in the meantime, he said, but every time in the New Testament, we are today. That's why we don't celebrate Passover. We have communion. It's okay to celebrate Passover. There's nothing wrong with it. But Jesus introduced us to communion. And he said, every time you do, for believers, this just a wafer, a cracker that can stay in this little package for a long time without getting bad for you. This is not the body of Christ. This is not the blood of Christ. It's just symbolic. But it's a way for us to remember he gave his life. He gave his blood. So in just a moment, we're going to receive communion together. But before we do, I want to pray for each one of you. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray over you. I want to pray with you. I can pray for you, but the prayer of salvation is a prayer you must pray on your own. I can give you words to say. You can repeat them. You can use your own words. Putting faith in who God is and confessing him brings you to this place. Watching online, those in the room, just close your eyes for a moment. Across this space, everybody, pray it out loud with me you want to put faith in Christ this morning, become a child of God for the first time, you're coming back to God. Repeat after me. Say, Jesus, thank you for giving your life for mine. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Be my Lord. Rule over my life. And use me as you will. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, people. I live for that moment. Come on, celebrate. We do all this for that moment. We go to all this work for that moment right there when somebody, multiple people go, I did it, Pastor. I did it. You got that cup. I want you to take that wafer, that piece of bread. Take it out. And remember the sacrifice of his body, broken for you. He said, every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. Remember me. Take
will top back on that cup. He said, this is my blood given for you for the forgiveness of your sins. The blood heals us spiritually from our sins, physically in our body, emotionally, mentally. The blood is the most powerful thing in this world. The blood of Jesus applied to my life makes me healthy and whole in any areas of life. We drink this juice cup remembering the blood you gave for us to be forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Drink it with me. God, we celebrate you this morning. God, people that today, right now in this space, have their hearts open to you. God, maybe this year somebody says, I'm going to do that fasting thing. I'm going to do that growth track thing. Do that water baptism thing. Do that small group thing. I'm going to do that no God thing. God, I want to know you more. I want to get to know you. I want to give you my life. Maybe somebody prayed that prayer this morning. God, we celebrate every step somebody takes. Like a parent with a little child, when they get up on, off of four or on the two, and they just take that first wobble, and the parents are going wild, God, we can just feel that for somebody else. When they take that step, we're overwhelmed with joy. God, I love it when somebody lifts their hands for the first time to worship. When somebody just comes back again. God, when they just step into everything one step at a time, you've called us to do. It is my joy to serve you here. God, use us. I pray things in our lives that seem like they're locked, we can't get open. God, crack through those things. Bring hope into hopelessness right now. Somebody's never felt hope in a long time can begin to feel it again for their marriage, for their life, for their healing, for their body, for their mind, for their friends, for their calling, for their mistakes, just for their stuff. Just bring hope to life. God, give us the boldness, the courage to take steps one at a time. In your name we pray. Everybody said. Amen. Come on, one more time. Put your hands together and celebrate. I think God's doing some amazing things.